0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another bright day in a rather deserted city of Westminster as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I'm Scott Chaloner and I'm joined on today's program by Oliver Atkinson. Oliver is the managing director of Casual Films, a London-based company which specializes in video content for business. Olly, welcome to the programme, and it's great to have you on the air with us today.
1: Thanks very much, Scott. It's good to meet you.
0: Good to meet you as well, Ollie, and thank you, of course, for taking the time to come on to the, uh, the programme with us as well. Now, the purpose of this whole podcast series is to really gather together a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. So what I'd like to understand first and foremost is what that word leader actually means to you personally.
1: Um, I think for le- leaders for me are, are people who can inspire or empower teams, um, I guess, to become uh, uh, greater than the sum of their parts, really. So, uh, you know, we, you want a leader to sort of be able to bring through the shining talent within an organisation um, whilst also keeping the vision clear and, and managing to keep the, the, move, the business moving in the right direction.
0: And if we think about your own leadership style as well, Ollie, would you say that that very much aligns with those uh, sorts of qualities as well?
1: Um, I'd hope so. Um, I would say my leadership style is very open. Um, It's quite democratic. Um, Of course, with filmmaking, you've got lots of different areas, um, so like lighting and cameras, sound. You've also got directors and producers, and so you've got all those different departments, and it's a very democratic process. You can't really, you know, make a a large-scale film on your own. And so I've tried to learn from that uh, in my leadership, I suppose, to to draw on different areas of, of people's opinions and try to factor that into my decision making. So, yeah, try to be as, as open as possible and also try to, to let people get on with what they need to do. Um, go in and, and help at, at times when things get tough, so you kind of helicopter in, help out, and then you can helicopter back out again and, and let people really flourish where, where they can as well.
0: Mm. certainly seems then your line of work that people management is incredibly important given the nature of collaboration that's required in the uh, the film industry and that's a very important facet of leadership isn't it being able to manage people and adjust your approach to m- m- match with different personalities I suppose.
1: Absolutely yeah I mean you deal with contributors as well as, as your, your own team and then you've got a freelancer network that you're constantly dealing with so people management is, a, is at the heart of, of filmmaking and um it's a really key part of leadership as well. You know, you need to be able to relate to people in all different situations and understand that the diversity of the workforce is hugely important to have a really strong team. Um, so you need to be able to relate with people in different ways
2: as well.
0: And of course, you mentioned their helicoptering in when required as a leader as well. Um, when you see difficulties arising day to day, Molly, are you um, inclined as a leader to be proactive in that sense, essentially diving in and getting on top of difficulties as soon as possible? Or do you like sometimes to take a little bit of a back seat, see how issues um, develop and then take action from that point?
1: I mean, it depends on the issue, but I think... Uh, I'm very much a believer in fast follows and following up with issues quite quickly, but that's not to say that you should be hasty. I think you should make a a decision, try and slow things down in in the immediate to try and understand what's going on, Uh, try and get as much information as possible, slow it down, slow the pace of things down, and then try to come up with your solution uh, and then deal with it quite quickly
0: afterwards. And we talked an awful lot um, as well already, Ollie, about um, your own uh, leadership approach and the way that you view leadership as a whole. But what would you say have been some of the major influences behind that way of doing things that you've taken on?
1: Uh, I mean, obviously, there are thought leaders like Brené Brown and Simon Sinek, but um, there was one uh, guy who was quite a a significant influence on me although i didn't really realize it at the time unfortunately he passed away a couple of years ago the um director of photography called matt that i worked with on a a hedgehog documentary and um the film industry can be quite difficult to to get into and the departments are quite sort of secular in in a way um and he was very open and encouraged and 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 nourished my interests in different areas and i've tried to that on and and try to whenever somebody says or I wouldn't mind shooting or picking up a camera or or trying a different area I always try to give people the opportunity to do that and encourage them to push themselves really and and take themselves into a space where where they might be less comfortable Mm.
0: and I think that's important uh, for one's development isn't it giving them the confidence to be able to venture beyond their comfort zone and push the boundaries because that sort of experience is the way that we fundamentally develop isn't it
1: Absolutely. And I think it's key to have quite a safe environment to be able to take that risk. Um, You know, th- there are a lot of people that will stick their hand up to something, but maybe not have the full belief that they can really do that job. So it's up to you as a leader to really encourage and foster that confidence in them. So when they do take it on, they, they may fail from it, but they learn from it, and then they're able to do it better next time. So I think creating that safe environment is really important.
0: I think that's absolutely right. And, um, I think it's also fair to say that leadership and, um, employees as well are really being sort of tested to the limit at the moment with, of course, the, uh, the COVID-19 situation that's ongoing at the moment. And of course, it's been very, very difficult to, to deal with for businesses, families alike. But. As well as that, um, there are some perhaps positives to be drawn from the experience of managing a crisis from a leadership point of view, isn't there? Because we're having to go beyond our comfort zones. We're having to get our heads down and just crack on with the tasks at hand. And we're hearing so many great stories, aren't we, of people who are just getting on with things and are really reaping the rewards as a result of that and just keeping ticking over.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I I think the the more that um, organisations can um, let their employees know that they are supporting them throughout this. The better, and uh, I think brands will be judged on their response to COVID. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken to a couple of different uh, people at different production companies, and uh, I know one that didn't really sort of, I suppose, check in with the fact that it was all going on and asked their staff to give a hundred percent and just carry on as normal. Their work rate significantly dropped. And then I had heard another example where a production company was saying, "Look, this is an incredibly stressful environment." If you can give us 70% of what you usually do, then that is absolutely great. Uh, and their work rate actually went up. So it, it really affects how you, you deal with people. And, and it's best to be as transparent as possible, uh, as level with people as possible, and, and support with compassion as
0: well. Mm. links back to that people management as well, doesn't it? But also showing transparency and humility as a leader and keeping communication channels open more than anything else as well, because I think there will be a lot of people, of course, who are a little bit worried, concerned about um, what the future holds and all of the uncertainty as well. And there's a lot of pressure therefore on the leaders to provide answers and responses to that. Whereas they may not necessarily know, even though they're at the top of everything, um, much more than the people around them. And so it's just about being transparent, keeping, as I say, those communication channels open to provide really that vital reassurance. And if you as a leader show that you are looking out for those around you, they're more than likely to repay that in effort, aren't they?
1: Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, we're 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 in a situation that is unpredictable. Uh and that uncertainty is stressful from the top to through to right to you know the bottom really. So we we need to kind of recognize that, uh, take that into account and and try to act appropriately really. Okay.
0: I think that's absolutely right Ollie. and um, you mentioned as well of course um, the experience that you've accumulated not just of course in dealing with this crisis but also through your years uh, working in the film industry and based upon that experience if you were to give some advice to somebody who was perhaps about to start their first day in a leadership role, what sort of advice would you give them? Um,
1: I think initially I would say um, try and listen as much as possible before you speak Um just so you can make an informed decision, it's really key to once you're in that position of, of leadership and power that you, you actually try to understand as many different opinions as possible. The other thing I would say is, um, you know, if you've just arrived in a leadership role, you, it may feel daunting um, at first, but you're in that role for a reason. So, you know, just go for it um, and believe in yourself and, and I'm sure it will, uh, it will turn out for the
0: best. I think that's very, very good advice, Ollie, in the sense that you shouldn't be afraid to try things and back yourself in a leadership role, because ultimately, without being willing to sort of take measured risks once in a while, try new things, and then maybe suffer a setback or two and be willing to learn from that, we can't really hope to develop as a whole, can we?
1: Exactly. And I think what, you know, working at Casual for several years, I've realised that Casuals changed so much as the, the market has changed, and, and filmmaking is changing significantly at the moment. And it's an industry, like many others, that will be hugely disrupted. I mean, it was uh, heard the other day that in a, in the future, 80% of the job roles that exist now are not going to exist. So everything is going to go through a huge change, and not just because of this pandemic. So it's, it's vital to be able to take the risks, um, try to look ahead, try to stay ahead of the curve and be as innovative as possible.
0: And if we think about keeping ahead of the curve for the future, um, and of course the future as a whole, before we do wrap things up on the programme today, Ollie, um, do you give me an idea of what you envision the next 12 months holds for yourself and for Casual Films, and also what you hope to achieve, not just in getting through COVID-19, but also beyond the pandemic as well, as we begin to move uh, away from this situation. Sure, yeah.
1: It's, um I mean, we have Casual in in London, uh, we're over in the States as well, on the Western East Coast, and and we're looking at expanding um, through acquisition. We just opened up an Amsterdam office as well to move into Europe, but unfortunately, COVID put the brakes on all of that. But I think we're going to continue looking at how we can grow the group, um, and we're constantly pushing this digital innovation side of the business. So. Film is being disrupted in, in many different ways, like I said before. And we are constantly looking at the different new digital products that are coming out and seeing how we can then turn that to our process or you know, to, to uh the way we work to really improve and, and make what we offer as as good value as as possible for our clients, really. So I think, you know, with, with the pandemic it's it's whilst it's a, obviously it's a very traumatic time, it has also Force the world into a sort of beta testing phase of lots of ideas that would have stayed in R and D for a long time, and I think that's a really positive thing. Um, so we've, we need to focus on that and see what the, the good that comes from it, and try to harness it. And, and when you say, "What do we want to do coming out of lockdown?" is to try and once we all go back to being able to kind of be near each other, we want to be able to use what we've learned from the pandemic times and implement it into our business strategy going forward. Like yes. I think working from home is going to be a huge thing from now. I mean, lots of people doing split working and with mm-hmm. filming, that, that used to be something that wasn't really available, but there's lots of ways of editing and, and doing things where you don't have to be in one room. Um, I mean, the shoots always will have to be a group activity, and I think that's a good thing. I don't I don't think we should all be squirreled away in our homes, um, but it will be interesting to see how the whole working structure changes after, after COVID.
0: It will be very interesting to see how things uh, begin to take shape. And it certainly seems as if uh, Casual Films has a lot of ambition, of course, for expansion in the future and will be very much at the forefront of that innovation within the film industry for sure. And I think from a listener's perspective, Ollie, it would actually be really fascinating in the next few months as we start to see these plans come to fruition. We could perhaps have you back on the air with us just to catch up on how things are getting on in that respect.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that would be great.
0: I think so as well, Oli. Um, it's a shame that we are just about out of time um, on uh, today's programme, um, but I have to say, I mean, it's been a thoroughly informative and also really enjoyable experience having you on the air with us uh, this uh, afternoon. And thank you ever so much for taking the time to come onto the air and speak with us. It's been a real, real pleasure.
1: Likewise. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you too, Ollie, And do take care and stay safe with everything still going on as well. Thank you. That was Oliver Atkinson, the Managing Director of Casual Films. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 football World Cup hero, Sir Geoff Hurst. During his professional football career, Sir Geoff scored over 200 league goals for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City. But most notably, he remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup competition. That came after his treble in England's 4-2 win over West Germany at the Old Wembley Stadium 54 long years ago now. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Jeff and that's coming up next.
3: Uh, we're now joined uh, though by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final Sir Jeff Hurst uh, thank you very much for coming on today.
2: Uh, you're welcome you're welcome. good afternoon.
3: Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him?
2: Absolutely. I mean, he he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, of at, at football. And uh, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who um, was played mm. under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over fifteen years, I guess
3: Absolutely. And in those early days um at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh uh confidence with your other players. And of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more, was it Peters?
2: I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players, I did. That's griping or moaning about the system, and if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learnt, and I've taken it on in my life and my family, if you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it. You you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless about him and his staff. And I think that's one thing. I, one of the most serious things I think I've learnt over a long period of time.
3: And is there? Do you think? Uh...
2: they were people that else didn't think wanted to be part of a group um so that that's that for me in terms of my personal view i think that it looked prior to the um world cup that i was going to be playing um in it only a few games before i was i was playing and i played with Jimmy region in the game against yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final and it looked at that stage as if i was going to be i'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of the, uh, of fans of west ham and of uh, stoke and of course in the uh, england fans who um, I, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest i i felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration um mm-hmm.
3: You, you don't have to, but I will.
2: No, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you—you you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches—people must realise that uh, that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm-hmm. to, to situations on and off the field. Hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, Mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with with the sadly dwindling numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after the sixty six. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, Mm. the.